Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to News from the Torah. This is Leah Aroni. Today is February 1st, 2023, and the 10th of Shvat. And this week we're reading the Torah portion of Beshalach, in which the Jewish people leave Egypt, and after leaving Egypt, they come to the Red Sea. They're followed by the Egyptians, and of course, God splits the sea, and the Jews pass through the Red Sea. Egyptians uh, drown in the Red Sea, and at the end of the Torah portion, the Jewish people sing the song of the Red Sea to God, praising God for this amazing miracle, probably one of the greatest miracles of world history. And in this uh, segment of our show, I would like to talk about miracles. I would like to talk about our approach to this world, how we see miracles, and this is especially poignant as today and tomorrow, a significant day, two significant days. Um, today is the day of the passing of the previous Lubavitcher Rabbi, Rabbi uh, Yosef Yitzhak Shneerson. He passed away in 1950. And tomorrow, the 11th day of Shvat, is the day on which the last Lubavitcher Rabbi, the last Lubavitcher Rabbi, the one that we all know, uh, took the reins of the movement and started his 73-year journey and mission in spreading the light of assistance, help, and Jewish consciousness around the world. So I would like to take especially the teachings of these two leaders that were given on this day in 1950 and in 1951 to help us understand the relationship between miracles and nature. What's the nature of miracles and what's the miracle of nature? So when we think of this world, what are the ideas that come into your mind? How do you see the world around you? There are many ways. Some people look at the world and they see jungle. They see a world where dog eats dog, where people are cruel, where people take advantage of each other, and the strong one always wins. And there are other people who look at the world and they just see a nine-to-five kind of work situation where they run from one test to another and it's the daily grind. But the Lubavitcher Rebbe used a different approach to the world and he quoted a verse from Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs, where God says, I came to my garden. This world is a garden of God. Now, when you think of a garden, a garden is a beautiful, gorgeous place with fragrant fruit and beautiful flowers and just a place you want to spend more time in. And a garden is created for people to enjoy. And this is an amazing analogy that God gives us in the Bible, in the Song of Songs, in Shira Shirim. It says, I created this beautiful garden. It is my garden. I created it for you to enjoy. But what happened? What happened during the earlier generations before Abraham, the first generations of humanity? They drove away the awareness of godliness in the world. And so in each generation, 
God became less and less and less present in the world simply because people were not making space for God. Um, it is said that the Kotzka Rebbe once asked his followers, where is God present? And they gave him all kinds of answers. But in the end, the Rebbe said, no, God is present where you open the door for him and let him in. God's presence in the world is only as great as our awareness of him. There could be people, societies, places that are completely godless just because nobody is aware that God is there. So if there's a society that's atheistic, that doesn't believe in God, that society is godless, not because it's bad, but just because it has no awareness for God, and God has no space to be, no place to be in the minds and the hearts of those people. And so what happened with the um, birth of Abraham, Abraham, is that he was the first person to start bringing God back into human consciousness. And so with every subsequent generation, for seven generations, up until Moshe, Moses, every generation developed a greater consciousness of God until finally Moses and the Jewish people in the wilderness could bring God back into the consciousness of the world and finally create a mishkan, a tabernacle, a physical dwelling place for God in this world. So I would like to take that idea and apply it to our life right now. What is our consciousness of God? How much are we aware of him? And do we see them? Do we see God in the world? Now, what's amazing is that, like we said, the um, story of the Red Sea, the splitting of the Red Sea, and then the subsequent song that the Jewish people sing is the greatest miracle in human history. You know, the splitting of the Red Sea, that's like the pinnacle of God's interference in changing the tides of nature and um, changing things around and showing his divine hands. But ironically, it is from this exact event that we learn what nature is. The Hebrew word for nature, and as we discussed many, many times on this show, if you want to understand what something means in Hebrew, you have to go to the language, and you have to see what other words contain the same root, uh, based around the same word. And words that have the same letters um, are actually related, and then not just related linguistically, they're related conceptually. So if we want to understand what it means, nature, the word for nature in Hebrew is teva. And teva is the same exact word, teva, as we use for drowning. So what's the connection? What's the connection between nature and drowning? So when something drowns, when something is submerged underwater, you don't actually see that item. For example, Let's think of a boat that, God forbid, you know, drowns, is now submerged underwater in the sea. Do you see the, the boat? Of course not. All you see is just the sea. All you see is water. But there is an actual boat submerged underwater. So it's there, but we don't see it. We don't have that perspective. The same thing happens with 
God. God and his existence are like submerged under the water of our reality. From the verse of Egyptians drowning in the sea, we're taught what nature means. Because God's reality is submerged, so to speak, underneath the surface of this physical world. God is there, but we don't see him because he's just like underwater. So the trick of nature is actually to see right through it and to see God in us in every single aspect of our world. What we believe in Judaism is that God consciously and constantly creates every single aspect of this world. And in modern physics, we know that matter actually doesn't exist. All matter is really energy that moves so fast that we perceive it as an object. The same thing is taught in Judaism, but many, many years before modern history. God energizes and creates the world every single moment. And so this influx of energy that the world is created. But our challenge is to recognize that. And that's exactly what gives us awareness of godliness. The real miracle is not the miracle of the Red Sea, because that's a once in a 3,000 years kinds of miracle. The real miracle is the miracle of nature that is created every single moment and calls us to ask us, hello, do you see God in me? Do you see godliness in me? This exact moment, the way this moment is right now, God orchestrated this moment exactly the way it is right now for you. And in this moment, God asks, can you find me right now? Do you see me right now, exactly where we are right now? And if you can find me, can you listen carefully enough to find out what I want from you? Because... God created you in this moment so that you could act out of your choices. And every single moment is a choice. It's a choice of whether do I go and do something nice for somebody or do I ignore their request. It's a um, choice of do I give attention to somebody or do I just go to sleep. It's a choice of do I speak nicely to myself or do I criticize myself and listen to all the negative voices. Every single moment is a choice where God is challenging us to find him in that moment and make a choice to act on that side and hearing. So the same Kotzkarebe shared a story where he walked around his town one day and he saw a little boy crying. And he asked the little boy, what happened, sweetheart? Why are you crying? The boy said, we're playing hide and seek with my friends. And they forgot about me, and nobody came looking for me. And the Kotzka Rebbe said, oh, this is exactly how God feels. God created this world for us to find him in it, and he's hiding behind the surface, underneath the surface. And he's waiting for us to find him, to be conscious of him, to say, I know that this moment is created by God exactly as it is for my benefit. And once we figure that out, once we realize that, then we make a choice and the situation usually resolves itself. But the problem is that we don't make that choice and we don't come looking for God. So one of my neighbors has this exact perfect analogy 
to share how this usually happens to us. So let's say you're driving on a highway and you get a flat tire. So what do you do? Your car gets stuck. What do you do? So maybe you call your husband or wife or father or granddaughter or somebody to come and get you out. But let's say you can't get through to them. So you call your insurance company, but you can't get through to them. Or you call somebody else and you can't get through to them. So finally, after you've tried all the other options, say, God, come help me. Come on, right? So, But why is God the last one in your list of phone calls? Why don't we just say, first of all, before anything else, God, I know that this flat tire on my stock car right now, I know that this is from you. I know that you created this little piece of darkness, this little piece of um, um, aggregation for my benefit. I know that there is something for me to learn here. There's something I need to get, the same kind of choice I need to make here. So first of all, I know this is from you and I know you love me. So this is before anything else. Now, now that you've uh, given me this choice, I'm going to make some practical steps to solve the situation. And yes, we absolutely have to take practical steps in this world to solve our practical problems. Actually, it is told in the Chassidut that just like God gives us all of his gifts under the veil of the physical world, we don't get anything directly from God. Nobody gets this input of divine light. And that's how they get the blessing. We get it and it's all veiled in the physical world. So just like God gives us all this amazing blessing, but it is all veiled in the physical world, we are like God in the sense that we also have to veil everything we do with work. We have to create a vessel, a practical vessel in this world for God to bestow his blessing upon us. But we need to understand that this work that we do any physical action that we do is just a veil. There's an amazing story, and actually it's not one story, it's many, many stories, about a famous Moroccan Kabbalist. His name was Baba Sali. He was born in Morocco, who was an outstanding rabbi and Kabbalist. And he came to Israel during 1960s. He was a very popular magnetic person. People would come and pray and ask him to pray for them. And he did many, many miracles. And uh, this is a story I heard firsthand from a person who was at this event, where a big group of people came to the to Baba Sally, and he took a bottle of uh, arak, which is like a Moroccan type of vodka, and he covered it with a towel, and then he poured literally a few hundred cups of arak out of this one bottle. So this one, you know, a quarter of a gallon bottle was enough to to pour hundreds of cups of, of Arak. It was it was a miracle. It was a clear miracle. But the interesting thing there was that he covered the bottle up with a towel so you could not see how much was inside. You couldn't see the miracle. The miracle was there, but he had to hide the miracle so you couldn't see what was in the bottle. So our work in this world is like that towel. All it does is covers up the miracle of divine energy, of divine blessing, right? This is why, just like God covers up his blessing in the physical world, we have to do work. We have to take physical steps. And if you're stuck with a flat tire, you will have to call either um, a family member or your insurance company 
or or um, or a towing company or somebody who will take your car. But you need to understand that that's just the towel. What really is happening is that God wants you to learn a lesson or make a choice or God needs you to be in that place right now and this is why you're stuck there. And the real question is not how do I get my car out of here, which is a valid question and something you'll need to do. The real question is, hmm, if God wants me to be right here, right now, with a stock car, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of this encounter? And if you ask that question, and you're clear that there's a purpose, first of all, you're not frustrated, you're not aggravated, you're not angry, you're not annoyed, okay, you're not sad, you're not depressed, you don't think that you're a loser, that you always get stuck, you don't think that the world is horrible and how could God do this to me? You say, mmm, curiosity, question. There's clearly a purpose, so what's the purpose to me being stuck at the side of the road, in this place, at this hour? And no, you won't always have an answer to that question, but the asking the question, recognizing that it's God that brought you in there, that God is hiding somewhere underneath that situation, that's actually the purpose of the encounter, and that's actually faith. And once you ask that question and you have that faith moment, then you can go ahead and call anybody and everybody that you need to get you towed and to get your car fixed. And really, this is an approach we can take everywhere. And I think this approach can give us so much strength because we all go through difficult um, situations. We go, go through painful situations. And very often the question is, why? Why do I deserve this? Why is this happening to me? Why? But there's no answer to the why question. This answer to the what for question. In Hebrew, we say lama. Lama is why. What for is lema. It's the same exact letters, but a completely different outlook. If you ask what for, what is needed of me? What is the purpose of this? I know that this is a purposeful encounter. I know that God created the situation as painful as it is because he loves me. And he wants me to understand something, to learn something, to do something. And I have that understanding and that realization. Then I see God underneath the surface. And then I can use the towel, so to speak, quote unquote, of the physical world, of my own work to solve the problem. So there's an amazing book called Chavota um, Levavot. The Judas of the Heart, it was written in the 12th century, and the author of Chavot Levavot writes that our physical efforts in this world are necessary, but they don't help. So I'm going to say this once again because it's a bit of a paradox. Our physical efforts in this world are necessary, but they don't work. And what that means is that it is not but our toil that we create any result. But we have to toil, we have to work, because we have to hide divine blessing behind this veil, because this is how the world works. And we can each build a tabernacle for God, just like the Jews did in the desert. It is said, Please build me this tabernacle. 
and I will dwell in them. It should say, I will dwell in it. Right? Build me a tabernacle and I will dwell in it. But that's not what God says. He says, build me a tabernacle and I will dwell in them. In them means in each and every one of them, in each of every one of the Jewish people. So yes, we build a tabernacle for God, but the purpose is not for God to dwell in a physical structure. The purpose is for God to dwell in us, in our hearts and in our minds. And the physical structure of a tabernacle or a temple, which we really hope will be rebuilt in, Jude, in Jerusalem very soon, the prerequisite for that is for every single one of us to build a tabernacle for God in our hearts and in our minds. Can God reside in our minds, in our hearts? Can we see him? Can we feel him? Can we have the clarity of vision and faith to see God hiding behind the veneer of nature? And the Lubavitcher Rebbe in 1950 taught that the way to do it is through shtut. What is shtut? Shtut is craziness. So the tabernacle that the Jewish people built in the desert was built out of atzei shita, the acacia uh, wood. So acacia is called shita, and once again, we love word games. Shita is the same letters as shtut, and shtut means craziness. So once again, we said same words, same letters, same uh, different words, same meaning. What's the difference? What's the meaning of this? So the Lubavitcher Rebbe says that when you talk to the world, when you look at the world, when you speak in the world, if you share the things we said right now, that our physical toil is necessary, but it doesn't help, that the results don't depend upon you, that God is right behind the veneer and he is the one that's providing for the world, everybody will say, you are crazy. What's this craziness? This is how, not how the world works. You go to work, you work nine to five, you put in your labor, and this is how you create results. And stop talking about God and stop talking about God hiding in the nature. Stop talking about the miracle of nature. Stop talking about miracles. This is all crazy. And we say, no, this crazy, this shtut is the truth. And by grabbing onto it and really developing this outlook, this is how we build the tabernacle for God, the place for God to dwell in this world, in our minds and hearts. And this, by the way, is the point of creation. The entire point of creation is for each and every one of us to build a tabernacle for God in our minds and in our hearts. So yes, the world may look at you as crazy. The world may look at these words as crazy. The world may look at a lot of Jewish philosophy and our look today as crazy. But we have hold, held on to this crazy for 3,000 years. And guess what? This quote-unquote crazy has kept us going and this crazy has overcome all the logical, quote-unquote, religions and philosophies of the world. Jews were considered to be crazy by the ancient Greeks. And look where we are and look where they are. And Jews were considered to be crazy 
by the ancient Romans and look where they are and look where we are. And Jews were considered to be off their rocker by medieval Christians and look at where they are and look at where we are. And I think in a hundred years from now we will look back at the current progressive culture that thinks that we Jews are crazy and we will look at where they are and where we are. So don't be afraid to be crazy. Don't be afraid to hold on to God, to find him submerged under the everyday veneer of reality. And you know something very interesting that somebody said in my class yesterday? When you stand at the sea and you look at the sea from above, you look at water from above, you really don't see into the depth. You don't see anything. You maybe see something that's on the surface, when you look at the sea from above, you don't see anything. But it's once you dunk inside and you open your eyes, you can see very clearly what's inside, what's underneath the water. You just have to dunk inside and it takes a lot of courage and a lot of vulnerability. But when you are inside the water with your head down there, with your eyes open, you can see very clearly exactly what's submerged underwater. So yes, faith takes um, jumping into water. And faith also takes practice. The Hebrew word for faith, emunah, is the same for oman. Oman is a craftsman. Oman is somebody who is a master of his profession because he has practiced so many times. He has done it so many times that he has become the master of his craft. Emunah, faith, takes practice. It takes finding God in a situation again and again and again and again and again and again and again, again until it becomes second nature, until you become a master of the faith craft, until you learn how to find God behind the veneer of nature every time all over again. So with these words, I would like to uh, bless every single one of us that whatever you're going through, you can find God in your circumstance today. You can see not why is God doing this to you, but what for. You can find meaning in all the situations that you're going through. And with meaning, you can find comfort and joy in your ability to see God and feel close to him. So with this, I'm going to sign off. This was Leah Aroni with news from the Torah, and I will see you here next week once again. Bye-bye now. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? 
At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio, straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 